Welcome to the Mortal Realms, an Age of Sigmar podcast. Grab your hammer so we can clear a path through the chaos and forge our own narratives in the Age of Sigmar. Your allies through the Realm Gate this episode are... Hi, my name is Paul, and you must be from Action, because you are burning me up. Uh, I'm I'm Aaron, and uh, for the record, uh, Tamara Von Dreck, more like Tamara Von, not going to be the Mortark of Grief. Hey, hey. And this is Eric... And we're in the Soul Wars. In the Soul Wars. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. How are you gentlemen doing tonight? Really warmed up. <laughs> Thanks, for indulging me in that. Thanks for indulging me in that. How are you guys doing? Good. I'm uh, for the record I'm listeners, a... we didn't plan any of that uh, dancing. So that was no. spontaneous. You know what I am? I'm a foreign correspondent this week. I'm in some place called Nina. Never heard of it. Yeah, yeah, he's about. Yeah, me uh, neither. But I'm here. You're about 120 miles, 300, 200 miles away from your Seven home right now. Hundred miles. I don't know. Somewhere so, between Appleton and Milwaukee. Yeah, everybody knows where that is. Sure. Uh, so you're away from home, and you're you're phoning it in. <laughs> yes. I mean, how's that different than usual? Because oh, I'm not away from home. I'm usually phoning it in, but I'm I'm away from home this time. Hence the foreign correspondent. So tonight we're going to do some things a little bit differently. <laughs> hey, Paul, we can't we can't hear the audience laugh, so we can't pause for it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tonight we're going to be doing something a little bit different. It's not a story phase tonight. Um, we're we're not. Uh, spending the time, I, I know Aaron's a little bummed out about that, um, but a lot of uh, information uh, about AOS 2.0 has come since the last time we recorded. Um, new models have been shown, uh, and and the preview of Soul Wars uh, has dropped. And so there's a lot to, <laughs> and there's a lot of that to talk about. And we wanted to spend some time, just uh, the three of us. Davey couldn't make it tonight. Um, just chatting about this um, a little bit, and then uh, we also wanted to talk a little bit about some things that we've been up to in preparation of AOS 2.0, kind of our own hobby, our own uh, content creation and involvement in the community, et cetera. Always, there's always a time and, and place to reinvent yourself uh, once in a while. So, um, so first and foremost, I guess, let's start, to, let's talk a little bit about what we've been up to uh, in the hobby or in this so-called content creation uh, cycle that we, I was just talking about. Um, Paul, what have you been up to uh, either in preparation of AOS 2.0 or, uh, you know, just for, for. Whoa, that's going to get us the tail. Yep. There we go. Anyway, no. Uh, so I have been working on my Seaguard army, not necessarily for AOS 2.0, but it's, uh, something I had started a while ago. I did just rebase it. Um, and I made a conversion out of my Sea Lord, putting them on the back of my Murworm because I was tired of him sitting in a box. Uh, that was pretty cool. Thank you. Um, just kind of checking out what's going on. I'm I'm very excited for AOS 2.0. It seems like they're incorporating a lot of stuff that everybody was like, oh, this is what makes sense. And they're like, yep, this is what makes sense. So, you know, like the base-to-base combat, that kind of stuff. Um, it just it makes me very excited for where the game is headed. Um, so... I haven't done much prep other than the Sea Guard. I've kind of been in a bit of a hobby lull. I did two tournaments in a month. And for me, that's a lot because I'm old. So I had a bit of a hobby burnout, but I'm, I'm getting back on the horse now. I didn't want to say anything, but oof, yeah. Looking a little uh, over the hill. A little bit. 
I'm just kidding. You're beautiful. <laughs> Inside and out. Oh, uh, thank you. Wow, guys. We really got this to a really warm place. Well, see, you know, when, when we don't have baby here, like, we're real fun. But there's a bit of, <laughs> little too much salt. <laughs> we miss you, Davey. Um, so, uh, Aaron, what have you been up to? What's what's kept you busy? What's kept you focused? Or what what part of your brain is on AOS these days? Okay. Um, this may not be the answer you're looking for. We'll lead into the answer that you're looking for in a second. Fine. But actually, I, 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 whatever. Uh, <laughs> not for AOS uh, specifically, or like the game whatsoever, but more uh, likely in preparation for the AOS RPG that will one day come out, who knows when, who knows where. Um, but I've been attacking all the um, dudes on Spruce that I have uh, just laying around because who knows what or where, or not where, I guess. But um, That would be I'll, a really good name for another podcast. <laughs> dudes, dudes on Spruce? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Is I that a get... attack podcast, Dudes on Spruce? On spruce, blue spruce, yeah. spruce goose, no less. I'm, I'm for it. I'm for oh, it. spruce goose. Yeah, I'm filling this cabinet up with uh, with with dudes from Silver Tower and starter sets and and what have you. Just um, so I know I have a, a wide range of different stuff to pull from, which would is nice say, because. Would you say that's more of a gray tower right there? Uh, yes. More of a sheer tower, as opposed to silver tower. Anyways, yeah. um, I mean, it's very gray, no doubt. Um, but. Uh, I reckon with the variety of stuff that may be possible or available um, in the AOS RPG, I got to start now because God knows I want to hit the ground running when it pops. Yeah. So it'll be nice that. to have all that stuff assembled and then as you need it, paint it up. Uh, yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, and furthermore, I, I know I'm sort of a stickler for uh, textbook paint jobs, but in the service of a story, when it comes to like, you know, whatever you'd run in a campaign, maybe I'd break that rule a little bit if I needed to paint. So are you saying Sorry. that if, if when you were doing iron jaws, I wrote you a story that says, oh, and the iron jaws showed up and they had pink armor and they were like, hey, look at our pink armor. We're tough enough that we can wear pink. You would have been like, I could maybe paint these guys pink. No, I'd, I'd kick you square out. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be invited anymore. Um, no. No. What if I wrote a story about an iron jaw that was holding the rune thing? Hey, would you I, like cut up a model? I, can and... I pause you right there? Let me pause you right there. Um, you're already kicked out. Boom. You're <laughs> See you later. Um but who knows? Maybe maybe I'd paint it, especially with this whole um, realm focused yeah. uh, armies and stuff. Uh, that would that gives me a personal excuse to paint things a little different than I normally normally would. Yeah. Well, so there's something says. nice about and and there's something nice about. Um, I mean these these color schemes that they put on the boxes are fantastic color schemes. Sure. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, so I don't. I apologize for shaming you. Uh, repeatedly, well, I, I feel no shame in this regard. It's okay. all of okay. you who yeah. should feel should feel shame. Um, <laughs> What else hey. you been up to? Oh, hey, uh, just because you're a box art wanker doesn't mean the rest of us have to be. Uh, that, that would be whoa. another name for a podcast, the box art, <laughs> art wankers. I'm just quoting propane in, all right? It just also, also made us explicit. <laughs> wanker is not explicit. Is it just explicit over there? In- it's over there, not over here. We're recording oh, cool. over, over there. Then I would really be a foreign correspondent. Airwaves, so, no boundaries. True. There's no, no boundaries. What's the word? Uh, borders <laughs> with airwaves. <laughs> Airways without borders. Podcast without borders. Podcast without borders. Podcast without, man. <laughs> That's another uh, great t- name for a podcast. We t- a t- it. TM, 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 These are all ours. You can't take them. Um, but, what, would uh, we, what would that one be? Just like going around the world helping people podcast? I, that yes. sounds amazing. Just like flying and be like, I'm going to interview you now. I and think we'd have to be good at it before we did that. Sure. <laughs> or um, we'd have to have a lot of money and be really bad at it. 
So everyone send us money at the Patreon. We don't. <laughs> How embarrassing would that be if we actually had one? Um, anyways, uh, but what, what we also have been doing, me and my dear friend, uh, Eric, have been working on a little a uh, little website for the- wait a minute you have you know somebody else named eric yeah, he's little he's a little guy little uh no the, the website's little um <laughs> my dear friend eric oakland sitting in front of me on the screen that i have right here yeah um that's we're working on working on a little website and by that i mean you've done all the heavy lifting um i did nothing i, I just got the domain um but that's been that's been a hoot that's been fun i like doing uh some of that technical stuff um well, how, how have you enjoyed it? Tell, tell us what you've yeah, been doing. I've been enjoying that as well. Um, you got a little bee in your bonnet, a little uh, hair up your whatever, and sure. said, hey, I would like Mortal Realms to have a website <laughs> to, uh, to bring people to, to post things. I don't even know if you had an idea to design it for anybody else but us. Uh, absolutely. That's true. I just wanted a place to like store just, our crap. Yeah. Just put stuff up. So um, you were like, hey, I want to do that. I've got some background in history and in design and whatever. In this case, I just took a template and just tinkered with it, which Squarespace hardly even tell. Like here's where we transition to our Squarespace ad. Do you want to make a good looking website? I just did. I think that's the Wix. I think that's the Wix one. Squarespace with promo code mortal realms. That's that's not not a thing either. No, not at all. If only we could go back in time. Yeah, gosh. Get all of those things in place. But uh, no, it was a lot of fun tinkering with it and getting kind of, man, some some like, hey, what would we put up here? What could go up here? Turns out there's a lot of stuff that we've yeah, put out. Right? It was worthwhile. It. So we've got uh, um, one of the cool things was obviously we needed a place to put our backlog of podcasts. Now we are hosted on Podbean. So you can go over to Podbean and find us, uh, mortalrealms.podbean.com and listen there if you like that. Um, but um, the, on the website, which is themortalrealms.com, you can go and find whatever player that you want to work on, play on or whatever, and it'll help you find us. Um, but it, it's nice. To, it's an easy way to go through and just see what we've, what the topics are and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you were working on a couple of really cool things. You were like, hey, I need a place to host these. Sure. What, what were those? What, was, what what made you do the, do those things? I, I was worried you were going to say, "Hey, I need to create these trackers." Like like need is the word um, there. No, just uh, for a while now, I've just been keeping tabs of different like spreadsheets of fun data points. You know, those two words go together. Organizer, a you know, big big organizer. Yeah, which my room would not in- indicate. That. Um, <laughs> But uh, it's one thing to have, you know, a list of data, but it's another thing to be able to search it and like have other people use it. So I dug up some online database tool thing um, and matched the two together. Now you can search through all my little uh, dealios. Um, One is a way to search like keywords for war scrolls, which I don't know if it's useful or not. I just like scanning stuff and eyeballing who's got what. Um, So that's kind of fun if you ever wanted to know all the wizards or everybody that has a demon keyword or something like that. Which it actually came in. in it was actually helpful for me today. I saw that. Yeah. I saw me post on Twitter that I uh, was looking at, I was looking at the, the new war scroll for the ballista, the stormcast ballista and it had, or no, it was for the, we'll talk about the, whoever the, one of the, the units and they, they buff um, re- either sacrosanct models or redeemer models. I'm like redeemer. What? Yeah. What, what? Is, what is that? What keyword does that belong to? Turns out judicator or sorry, liberators have the redeemer keyword. Mm-hmm. As do Steelheart's champions in yeah, yeah. 
because they're also liberators, actually, technically. Um, and so, there, I think there's all sorts of keywords out there that people don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe everybody knows this, and it was, just wasn't me, but didn't realize what keywords existed. Like, your your uh, prosecutors are Angelos, and the shooter dudes are just a car. Anyways, um, so each each army has some, some of those hidden keywords that I like to call out. Um, Paul yeah. was going to say something. Hit me. Yeah, well, to me, like, obviously getting everything together in one place is really cool. We've got the age of mirth and all that kind of stuff in the podcast. But like, honestly, your database, especially with the keyword search is the one thing that I constantly hear people talking about. And I'm like, this is amazing, right? You want to do anything. And you're like, I want to do 40 points for this thing. I want to see if something exists or 60 or a hundred or whatever. Right. I want to just come up with a theme. I saw this keyword here and you can literally just look it up and find everything. And it's just awesome sure. because that's one of the things that like, <clears throat> I know I really enjoy is just finding the synergies. And right now you can't really do that. But if you find that one character and then one character says, oh, but this will work, but it only works on human, right? You just do the search and you do human, which is really hard right now because you've got some of them in the Grand Alliance books, some of them in this battle tome, some of them in that battle tome, some of them, and it just doesn't work. You just put it into the online database and it's just like, everything's right there. It's great. And I programmed it to make that noise, actually. (laughs) Yeah, just like that. Uh, That's kind of you to say. Um, And... Also, it was a way to find out like different scrolls that I thought should have words but don't. For instance, I think <laughs> that that named vampire lord on the zombie dragon isn't he doesn't have the vampire keyword. What do you know? Um, but anyway, so that's one of them. Um, the other one is maybe less interesting. It's just like a releases tracker. So I just every time something new comes out, I mark down what it is and when it comes out and yeah. what it costs because uh, it's re- it's real tricky to find any of that information on the website. In fact, I don't think you can. Um, Plus, like, so that data sort of lost to time. So if you ever wanted to look up when something came out. Yeah. So you've got new re- all the releases of AOS uh, yeah. in, a, in a database. And then you've got uh, all the War Scrolls with their keywords and names and, and a role. Is the battle line rolls in there as well? Uh, no. No, just whether it's priest or whatnot. Yeah, yeah but maybe I'll do that. So, like, with a 2.0, I'll, I'll look to upgrade some of this stuff. And with 2.0, maybe I'll create new, new different trackers. So, if anybody sure. has any ideas, hit me up. Do you have all the War Scrolls on there yet, or just most of them? No, just anything that was in a battle tome or was released since the game came out. So, um, dependent, I don't want to do it dependent on what 2.0 does. Like, I don't know what is going to be an army and what isn't. I mean, I'm sure most things are, but we'll we'll see when it drops. Yeah, there's gonna be some stuff moving to Legends, I'm sure. Yeah, right. It's got me. So, um, so <laughs> yeah, and we've got uh, Age of Mirth is up there in in all all 13 episodes that were previously out, or uh, 13 episodes issues, whatever. Did you have 13? That's crazy, man. Yeah, so then I added a 14th. No, I, it was up to what? 12. I added a 13th. Ah. This week, I've got a 14th ready for next week. What? 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 I bet, it, what? I bet it's super funny. My friend Aaron <laughs> helps me out with this one. So, uh, which oh is a lot God. of fun. It was we're fun coming up, having a couple of ideas come up that we're able to follow through with, and, and we'll see how they go. So, um, and then I've got a hobby blog up in there. Uh, so I'm posting miniatures and posting my commission stuff that I've been doing with, with art, uh, which has been going fantastic. Thank you everybody who's uh dm'd me on twitter about uh doing commissions and and drawing some of cool characters that you've come up with um and give me the opportunity to work with you on that uh um i'll have more of those up and show them off because it's been a lot of fun working with people so thank you on that that's just an aside i don't know what's cooler your art or like the characters that people are sending you i don't know what makes it interesting like i can't i can't give credit one way or the other i don't think you can take them apart i don't think think they're intrinsic to each other 
Um, and then uh, we're and Paul is gonna is warming up to put a pod get get, get not a podcast. Sorry, a little bit actually. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about what you're thinking about doing. No worries. Uh, so I'm uh, going to be working on what are called lightning strikes. So they're just little two minute hits of AOS goodness. And they're just going to be really quick shots of stuff that I think is cool, like mortal portents, um, line portents stories, or models from Twitter, whatever. Just kind of whatever shits, hits my fancy. So, uh, And then I'm also going to be doing a blog, working on my development of the Gibbering Dome, to getting that from more than just simply a place to play an event at, but to more of an established actual setting. So Yeah, we haven't, we haven't really... We talked a little bit about the Gibbering Dome. We did a little bit of a recap of Adepticon. Um, I think on an episode, but uh, well, we, we did a lot really... of coalescence recap, don't you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did do a lot of coalescence. So we've got we've got to spend some time on on chatting and sharing people about the gibbering dome. I think sometime. So we'd love to. So you can look forward to a bunch of more stuff coming up on the on the website. Mm-hmm. Really, again, we're just putting our the stuff that we love creating and and stuff on there. Hopefully, you'll enjoy it and take a look at it and be inspired to do your own stuff and. Age of Sigmar 2.0 is coming, which is what we're going to talk about next. And this is always the time where it starts getting people's juices going. On one hand, people can pause a little bit and be like, okay, what's going to happen? So there's a kind of like there's a you're holding your breath for what what it's actually going to become. So maybe not everybody's jumping on new armies yet. Not everybody's, you know, buying and purchasing. You know, they don't know exactly which army's going to be what pulls their fancy with the new release. Um, at the same time, people are eyeing those the two new factions. Um, etc. So why don't we start there? Um, Age of Sigmar 2.0 is starting with some new models, two new factions, two new armies, uh, the Stormcast Sacrosanct Chamber and the Night Haunt faction. Ooh, spooky. All right. First Ooh. and foremost, <clears throat> if these two are on the battlefield, who are you rooting for? Night Haunts. Whoa. That was a little, that was a little quick. I'm concerned, was, man. I was Super prepared. Are you possessed by a night haunt right now? I don't know. Maybe by a Tamra von Drak. Maybe you, ha- you you have to tell us. That's the law. Like a cop. <laughs> Aaron, which one of those is uh, appealing to you? I'm thinking sacrosanct or sac- sacrosanct. That's a lot of consonants in there. Um, the stormcast <laughs> ones. Uh, I think they're they're just cool as heck. Um, in that. I should, I'll get into it, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm just into the, I'm going to say the lightning motif, which obviously is by no means new to these guys, but like when you're missing sort of the, the magic in the lightning motif, I feel like that's an angle that I'm, I mean, we haven't really pushed all that much. So I'm just. Magic jazzed. lightning is way cooler than regular lightning. Yeah, I've, I've always. Does it go up or down or it does both? It, it, it actually starts in the middle and goes either way. <laughs> in, in, so, in Australia, it spins the other way. Um, by the way, this is our new handshake. All right. So, fun fact: I actually had a conversion planned for Stormcast using the um, the Eldar Wraith Lord loincloths to use as loincloths for regular Stormcast to make like kind of a royal guard. And yeah. lo and behold, Sacrosanct Chamber has the the robes and the loincloths and everything already on the model. So, don't need that conversion. Okay. Yeah, I got any conversion. I gotta say too, my Vanguard. Um, I I've painted them as um, anvils of Heldenhammer, and I kind of thought of them as they are entering in there. So the anvils worship ancient gods and and like ancient rituals and that sort of stuff. In addition to Sigmar, they're one of the oldest chambers, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
and and kind of set in their ways a little bit. So I kind of thought of them as kind of like ancestry, ancestral worship and, and uh, you know, slay their foes, but bring their foot, the um, lay their foes to, to rest, that sort of thing. But so kind of more of like a priestly and kind of magic warding, you know, they're entering into Shyish. These guys are the sacrosanct chamber is perfect for that. And that's exactly what the story is. Is this chamber built for battling uh, Shyish, you know, Nagash? Yeah. So I missed the boat. I, I, yeah, the Stormcast, the sacrosanct ch- chamber seems pretty cool. I'm definitely going to have to 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 find a way to sprinkle them in or create a so, faction army. We've got two big elephants in the room. Number one is, how do you feel about Stormcast having architects and magic in the same chamber? Go. Architects is in the engineers? Yep. Um, so I really like that uh, because part of what we've learned from the Lord Ordinator, <laughs> Ordinator. <laughs> you say uh, Ordinator, I say Ordinator. Ordinator. This is our musical episode. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then, you know, like, so the way they deal with engineering isn't just, um, science, right. They're looking for ley lines. They're looking for how, you know, the stars align. There's a lot more astro astronomy in it. Um, so the, it is the engineering in age of Sigmar is magical. Um, there's also, um, in, in one of the books, uh, where they're in Shaman, um, I think it's Shaman. one of there we go musical interlude um they talk about mage rights or wizard rights w-r-i-g-h-t which is kind of this idea of builders and that sort of stuff so i think in age of sigmar it goes hand in hand that if that i mean you don't have cranes Mm. you you really don't have to worry about the same kind of physics we have to worry about like to build a building like this in in one of the realms you've got you need magic Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not getting it to stay upright uh just by (laughs) physics alone so my my major question is this is a really interesting release for me personally because <clears throat> it's obviously its own chamber it's obviously its own faction right but we've got two different design philosophies because the ordinator inspired ones have that kind of like quilts quilted tabard yeah. and then the sacrosanct chamber has the cloth tabard so this is a really interesting thing to me because we have two specific different designs within the same chamber, but they're supposed to be the same. So how does that make you feel? It doesn't. It doesn't. No feeling. Doesn't. No feeling. It doesn't affect me one way or the other. Yeah. I mean, um, I think, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where every time they open it up, they, they, t- well, here, let me be quiet. Paul, how does it make you feel? Yeah. I think it's a very interesting design choice. Uh, it definitely how does it, make, how does it make you feel? It makes me feel anxious, anxious. a little bit. Because when you paint up a new force, you usually have a lot of unifying elements. And I kind of assume that the new elements to the design would be the unifying elements, right? So the cloth or the tabards, the quilted uh, tabard would be the unifying elements. But the unifying elements are actually the armor, which is something that's common to the entire rest of the Stormcast faction. So to me, that's a really interesting choice, and it kind of flips their previous design choices on its head. Yeah. Instead of taking the unique thing, they took the normal thing. How do you feel about? Uh, well, I guess these guys. The Lord Ordinator doesn't have his, doesn't seem to have as much armor on, um, but because uh, they have like don't they have short sleeved mm-hmm. jackets or whatever? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think I like that the engineers are a little bit different. Like it, it's like work clothes, 
mm-hmm. uh, like they're dealing with soot, they're dealing with you know um, gears and oil and that sort of stuff. Like that tabard would get just greasy too fast, <laughs> or it would get <laughs> caught in like the wheels and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I like that it, it you can very you can easily identify who they are and what they do mm-hmm. um, by what they're wearing, maybe. Um, I am probably a little more weirded out or like, you know, like, um, that there's another, another shooting, um, or mid range shooting unit, right. With the crossbows, like there's yet another crossbow unit, um, Mm -hmm. or the, the, um, sequiturs are being, are kind of, you know, they're like liberators, but they just have a maul instead of uh, a hammer or instead of a sword. Um, and, so, those I mean, are, and those aren't redeemers, no less. What? No. <laughs> so, you know, that, that they're maybe a little too close to similar to what, what we have in terms of, you know, you know, wep- hand weapon and shield. Um, you know, could there have been another way to go at the same time? I really like, I mean, it feels like you can get these similar, what they're doing though, is creating multiple armies within this aesthetic. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Stormcast isn't, I mean, yeah, you can mix and match, but, you know, it looks really cool when you have a, you know, warrior chamber. It looks really cool when you have a vanguard chamber. It looks really cool when you have a unified sacrosanct chamber. Um, so you could mix and match a little bit probably, but, um, you know, that having, having three different, four different armies with the, even with the, with the um, extremist chamber, you know, all that stuff is just kind of cool flavors with this main, main army. So. Uh, my only thought to Paul's initial question of having the engineer folks and the magic folks in the same chamber or whatever, uh, I will remind you that oftentimes uh, sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Oh, snap. And if my mic wasn't attached right here, I'd be dropping it on the floor. That's deep. Very yeah, deep. Real deep. Done. All right. Next question. <clears throat> Elephant in the room number two. Okay. Is the avatar of grief, of the Mortark of Grief Tamar Von Drac or is it Tamar Von Drac? Well, let's let's hold up on that a second because we haven't gotten there yet. We're still talking about the the models that we've seen so right. far. I'm gonna put the elephant over here. Yeah, stick that elephant back. Uh, it's still the on the side, room. still in the room, but um, right now. So <laughs> back to you then, Paul. How do you feel about most of the Nightheart Haunt army being humanoid and then having horse head? Um, uh, glaive wraith stalkers uh i don't mind it at all i think that they made a really interesting uh design choice um obviously it works really really well with the way that they designed the models uh the the horse head thing to me is kind of eh. i i don't know if i like it or i don't like it i don't dislike it um i think it works really well with what they had on the range before they're doing, they did a really good job with this specific range of taking old models and making new models and making the new models look like they fit in with the old models without making the old models look like the new models, right? They didn't bring the design of the new models backwards. They kind of updated the design of the old models into the new models and did more and better, cooler stuff with it. Right. They use the old models as kind of some, some sort of constraint or something that, an element that they needed to call back to. It's very um, much like the Iron Jaws release, yep. right? Where you did the art boys and you're like, oh, these are cool. And they're like, actually, we're going to make a whole faction about this. 
to me, that's exactly what they did. And they did a fantastic job of reimagining and improving the design. Yeah. Um, I'm really intrigued by the um, Knight of Shrouds on Ethereal Steed. Mm-hmm. Um, what's What's interesting about these steeds is it's instead of having kind of like the cloth like the hex wraiths do, it's their kind of skin is like ripping off of them or yeah. disappearing off of them, which is really interesting. But um, but these and and uh, yeah, they're just some really cool. Yeah, I think all around both of these armies are pretty fantastic, and I like. It's interesting that Death has another horde unit with the with the um, chain grasps. Um, well, yeah, and the interesting thing is that they're assuming we're assuming they're ethereal, right? Because they're night haunt. Yep. Which is very interesting. Um, the thing that struck me the most upon first looking at them is I've wondered for quite a while now how they were going to improve on the skeletal horse, mm-hmm. right? Because there was nothing functionally wrong with the original skeleton horses that they did. Nope. It's the horse's skeleton. There's only so much that you can do with the horse's skeleton, and they they did a perfect job of actually sculpting it the last time in sure. scale. Um, and so basically all I can see that they did is they made the skull a little bit like more live, a little bit more dynamic, but then they actually solved the problem by adding more to the model, adding more flesh, more cloth, like you were saying. And I thought that was a really... Number one, it was a good choice, but number two, it I think it fixes a lot of problems that we had with it before because it stops it from being a skeleton and turns it into actual movement, right? Because the problem with skeletons is that they don't move. So I thought that was a really successful design choice that they made. Yeah, um, that's the problem with skeletons is that they don't move. <laughs> <laughs> Who well, said you on? They're not dynamic. Okay. Poor choice of words and not dynamic, but um, yeah, I I like that they added a whole lot of new design choices. Now, for me, it's a bit of a problem because I have a conversion in mind for what I want to do for the army, and I really don't know if that's going to be able to work with how integrated and intrinsic the human character of the models is. Sure. We'll have to see. Uh, that's something I'm going to have to decide whether or not I can do when I have the models in hand. All right. So now we've got uh, these. So in this, in the starter set, we've got these two uh, armies, um, but then there's some additional we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen the black coach in all of its glory. We've seen a model at Warhammer fest in some photos. that was in a display case, but we haven't seen the studio pictures of it yet. Um, we saw a, a new um, character for the, uh, night haunt um who's sitting on like a throne mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool i can't remember what his name was the the name character yeah um i'll have it here you mean kudros valentian no i mean kurdos valentian damn it that's what i meant the oh, craven there goes the, the explicit tag again man what's going on the craven king uh <laughs> so and uh, they they put out a photo of him and there's two shadowy silhouettes next to him and one of them is uh this kind of death rider uh, kind of seems like it's probably either another knight of shrouds type um but is on a winged skeletal or ethereal steed um, and then there's another shadow which is our new mortark of grief uh so first of all 
wow, another Mortark. Like I'm I'm I think I'm more excited that there's just gonna be another Mortark from mm-hmm. a lore perspective, from a you know, gigantic model perspective, from you know, having Nagash and four models surrounding him, you know, as his uh Mortarks is pretty cool. Um what are your guys' uh what do you what's your what was your reaction to these models? I'm I'm gonna let Paul go first so I can refute everything he says. <laughs> well good luck with that, Bucko. Um we did actually see a picture of the artwork for the Mortark of Grief, right? In the video, if I'm not right. mistaken. Yep. Um, so uh, there were some interesting choices. Uh, it looks like the the Mortark itself is shrouded. Uh, it looks like the Mortark is wearing a corset of some sort. And it's got one of those crowns. It's very reminiscent to me of the Eidolon, uh, the Eidoneth Eidolon crown. Okay. Um, so... Uh, I can see people saying that it's going to be Isabella because the corset is very similar to uh, the corset that Isabella was wearing. Uh, But I personally think that it's not going to be Isabella because Isabella always carried a sword and a goblet. And I don't see either of those things on the model. And typically when they've redesigned a model, they do keep some of those signature elements. Um, So number one, we can't see her face. So she can't see she's a vampire. Number two, we can't see a goblet. Number three, we can't see a sword. So to me, that leaves a new character or perhaps, I know a lot of people are talking about Kalita, uh, but we just did a review of Nagash, the Undying King. And in that, they are introduced to a new character who is Tanra Von Drak. And spoilers, spoilers, at the end of the book, Tanra Von Drak is knighted as a Death Lord. And if you look in Aaron's wonderful little database, you can see that Death Lords is a keyword that only applies to Mortarks. So introducing a Mortark, Tamar Von Drak, whose brother and this whole story, right, her entire clan, family that she was sworn to protect was killed with a stroke by Nagash. Who better to be the Mortark of Grief than someone who literally had their entire clan wiped out by the god they are sworn to serve for eternity i ask you go um i look i want to make something clear when when you are inevitably proven wrong i will take no joy in it i i won't be happy that you're incorrect (laughs) Um, i think that's a very fun that's a very uh delightful explanation but it's simply not going to be the case um furthermore I, if i remember correctly does isabella also have like a like a flower or like rose uh, motif because the picture of this particular mortark also has like a like rose thorns like nearby as well so i think mm-hmm. that's one, one more bit of evidence that it's her um and i know we joke that gw often doesn't really follow any patterns especially when they set a pattern or like set a standard they proceed to break it immediately however with that being said the fact that the other three more tarks are like previous characters leads me to just assume that the next one's got to be one too and, and i don't even like that like i don't even i'm not even stoked that that's an answer but it just seems clear um and it's not going to be Tamara. Like the, the, a character starting in a book isn't going to end up being a, a model. I don't think it often goes that way. You have a point and I want to hear it. All right. Number one, Isabella always had a cat with her. If they were going to redesign Isabella, they would have put a cat with her. Ooh, they did. She's in the Yanid. Yeah, but that's the wrong model. You see? See how that doesn't work there? I do. Number oh, one. Okay, I get that. 40K thing. Gotcha. Yep. Um, and number two, 
The reason why the three Mortarks previously existed is because there was already a model made for them that represented all three. So that point is completely based on the fact that the model already existed. And that's why they were actually brought into the New Age. Paul, don't you bring your real-life stuff into my fantasy world of magic, okay? Boom. Don't take me out of this. It's right, like, uh, I'm the Lord Ordinator, and you're the Sacrosanct Chamber. Take it. Regardless, um, looking at just the outline, I'm amazed at this model. And like, I don't know if it's oh, yeah. about it, stuff. It looks but, incredible. Oh my, I mean, how am I supposed to clip that thing off the sprue? Like, that thing is way too intricate for me to ever touch. I'm no. pointing over here because it's on my screen. Um, <laughs> your other screen. You're so not I'm, the screen that we're on. Um, by no means, I'm 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 more of a more interested in the Stormcast side of things. However, with that being said, uh, I, these two models that we see in the shadows are are the ones I'm most looking forward to having revealed. So, do you want to hear my you want to hear my booms like complete conspiracy theory? Yes. Oh, the I... the rider on the horse with the wings, Kemmler. I think Heinrich Kemmler is going to make a comeback. <laughs> I think isn't that necromancer with hat? Yep, that is Necromancer with Hat. And I think the reason that they made him Necromancer with Hat is because they're releasing a new model. Hold up. Is there any reason why that guy on the horse can't be Vlad? No, there is no reason. Oh, 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 oh. Isabella and Vlad in those two models, you think? But then why would Isabella be the more trick of grief? Doesn't matter. I don't know. I don't make the rules, man. I'm just, <laughs> just real quick. I'm just going to sit back here for a little bit. <laughs> but wait, wait, hold on. The Craven King, I mean, come on, he could be the ghost of that ghoul king that we read about in the Tamar von Drach novel as well. Okay, enough. Let's let's get out of here. Wait, wait. Mine is enough, but yours isn't enough? Come on, you just went all black. I, I gave I gave you the final thought. You're welcome. All right, fine. Eric, what so do you have we to have, about this discussion? We have one more model that's coming out of the Stormcast, which looks like um potentially a Lord um Arcan Arcanabum? What are, what are Arcanaut? I don't know. I'm just going with AOS words now. The Lord Arcanum is the new model on on uh, Griff Charger, um, and so perhaps this is what it's. It looks like a large, more like of a a cat beast with horns and gr- huge wings. Um, and so this came in in the latest in the the video that was talking about the Soul Wars. So this model is uh, looks impressive and is also very intriguing. It it could also be a Lord Celestant, um, as most of the chambers have some sort of Lord Celestant, or at least two of the chambers have Lord Celestants. Um, or Lord Aquilor. Yeah, the Vanguard has the Lord Aquilor, and then so maybe they don't. So, but uh, we don't know what that one is. But it looks amazing. So there's a ton more huge models in this like upcoming not the soul wars release but soon after yeah we haven't actually talked about the lizard cats either for the stormcast or the cat lizard well and we've only seen uh so far we've only seen a quick video from the warhammer fest that had those in it and just we haven't seen any studio pics of those yeah um so one in a case i think yeah so there's a ton more night haunt stuff there's a ton more uh sacrosanct stuff um and it's all looking pretty fantastic like i can't believe how many models like are how many units are coming out that are brand new um it's it i'm trying to think of another one that's as big like the night haunt one itself yeah i mean the, i mean the sacrosanct which is a subset of an of like a much larger army bigger than 
I think probably any other release like by itself. It feels like Sacrosanct is as big as the rest of the Stormcast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just look through all the like the heroes that they haven't even talked about yet. Like, I mean, you just see the picture, like the one where he's sucking the soul up with a lantern, or the, there's like two old, two different old guys like um, out there. Yeah. Well, uh, there's a lot. Of them. Here's an interesting thing too: is that none of the none of the models that we've seen seem to be dual kits yet, hmm. right? Um, so well, we don't that's... even know if when the starter set is released, we're actually going to see the whole release, right? Because when they released the Liberators, then they released a Liberator kit, and that had more options. Sure. True. Right? Well, that, that wasn't necessarily – that's not necessarily a dual kit. That's just more weapon loadout. But so it, the yeah. the Sequidors could certainly have more loadout. However – and again, I don't want to look at patterns because sometimes the patterns, you know, they screw you. Maybe. But – uh. Zig the, zag in the deepkin, like the archers and the um, hand weapon guys, could have been a dual kit, but they chose to make that two separate kits, right? Yeah. Um, so we may not see a lot of dual kits, right? Um, we've seen more different weapon loadouts as opposed to, you know, one unit could become two different units. Furthermore, the like the starter kit. set is like snap fit right so is it harder to make dual kits that way or or, or well, can they even like i don't know how that works snap fit or are we assuming yeah. so no, they, they are they are yep they're all all uh, push fit easy fit whatever you want to call it yeah, i don't know what the word is um and so all of them are even the more complex ones uh the the ethereal steed etc so um now the in the original first starter set uh they also had a majority push fit oh I yeah think. weren't mm-hmm. they yeah, I mean, I'm putting them somewhere uh, together no, now. I don't, I don't think the so. Drakoff Lord was not. They were just minimum pieces. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just designed to be easy, but by no means. Yeah, they weren't yeah. pushed. Yeah, I apologize. You're correct. They released the push fit models after the starter box release. Correct. Absolutely correct. But they are going. Um, Games Workshop in general uh, is moving towards having at least a portion of their line being push fit. So in the 40K, they've got a number of the new um, Space Marine. <clears throat> where they still just the, even the single boxes that came out they have push fit options Easy let me just build. let so. me just uh, take a moment here and let, let let's just marvel at the fact that like the amazing sculpts that we've seen for the night haunts and the sacrosanct chamber right like they are legitimately amazing and they look like they're again pushing the edge of what's possible in plastic right if you look at that hangman figure where he's got his axe on a plume of smoke and that's the base that attaches to the base and then he's got the the body and then he's got a hangman's noose and then he, like and that's push fit right like that's not even like we're going to design a plastic model we're going to break it into 17 different pieces and you're going to put it together and it'll be fine it's we're going to make a push fit model that looks that absolutely devastatingly incredible like that just blows my mind that <laughs> we're at this point where they can make such iconic models and iconic sculpts and their push fit. That just blows my mind. Yep. I'm I'm not gonna marvel because I don't want them to get lazy. So I'm gonna pretend like it's no big deal. Well, Are you gonna DC instead? <laughs> I was just gonna say one, IP <laughs> infringement. Uh, we're crossing IPs. And two, <clears throat> marveling for about 30 minutes. Uh so <laughs> um so let's transition. Uh so we know that there's a ton of great models coming out. Um uh, pre-orders are up on the 16th uh, and then the week after they're going to be in people's hands. The starter set has 54 models in it. Wait, is it the week after or is it two weeks after? 23rd, so, I thought. Is it? Is it? 16th okay. to the... But, so the pre-order is 16th. 
Yeah, Prieto 16th. I thought it was the 23rd, but I might be completely wrong. That's, that's seven days later. Sure. You got to keep going. So, um, so we're going to get uh, a starter set with 54 models. It's coming. Now, this is interesting. In this next release cycle for AOS 2.0, we're getting a starter set. We're getting a core rule book. And we're getting a general's handbook. And we're getting malign sorcery. Uh, so we're getting three pretty good size uh, kind of pieces that add rules uh, or rule options to Age of Sigmar. So, um, just to, to, so we're getting a starter set, a base game, an expansion, and an update all on the same weekend. Depending on how you define those words, sure. <laughs> so the starter set is going to have the base game in it with uh, the 54 models, uh, the core rule book, and maybe a quick campaign book called uh, the Grim Forge or something to that effect. Glim, um, Glim's Forge? Glim's Forge. Uh, and they're going to... Um, so the what's interesting is, so the core rule book uh, is going to give us... Now we have 18 pages of rules instead of four, which I'm a little bummed about. I kind of wore the four-page rule set as a badge of honor. Sure. Um, but what they're doing is they're folding in all the errata, all the FAQs that have come based off of those that were applied to those four rules. Do you pages. know how many, like four pagers I have just sitting on the shelf? I have like six of them. Like, what am I going to do with those? Um, pull them, like stretch them. Make uh, a I, could do, I could do that. I'll probably just keep them till I die and then be buried with them. Um, also, do, I'm going to just insert it is the 30th, not the 23rd. Cool. Oh, thank you. Um, so the, so we're getting some more, a bit more rules and they've been able, uh, they've been leaking kind of what these rules are over the last, not leaking, previewing them, um, over the last, uh, you know, three weeks or so. Um, so the core rule book is going to have these 18 pages of rules. The first half of it is going to be, um, new lore or recap of the, the past, um, you know, age of myth, age of chaos, uh, age of Sigmar, and then now kind of going into the you know, soul wars. Um, and then the second half of it is all kind of rules for making the games better. Um, you know, uh, they're going to, it's going to have some open play. It's going to have some, uh, narrative play and it's going to have match play stuff. Um, what it, I mean, as far as getting a, we're, this is our first core rule book for age of Sigmar. Uh, how are you guys feeling about that? Is there any, any rumblings you've been hearing about it or, or opinions on it that you like or dislike? Uh, I've been hearing a lot of rumblings about people saying that they're fixing the release of Age of Sigmar to begin with. And that's really frustrating to me personally. Uh, just Who because. Name names. I, I don't remember. I'm kidding. Don't. I'm, that was just a joke. Because I, I wasn't going to. You know, like I'm like a reporter. And like, you know, I, help, I, I keep my sources secret. Thank you. Foreign, foreign correspondent. <clears throat> foreign correspondent reporter yeah which is better reporting from the field literally so um to me i honestly completely disagree with the idea that they're they're actually releasing age of sigmar for the first time right like even without points etc i just genuinely disagree with that statement on its face i think age of sigmar as it was released was an awesome kind of brave thing to do to reset and to really like break us as players out of the mold of what a war game could be. And for me, like that just opened up so many options. And like, especially the way they've 
when they released the general's handbook and they expanded the options, et cetera. But I mean, I've heard it on podcasts multiple times and I completely agree with it is that it made you stop and look at your collection and go, what if I just wanted to play with everything? What if I wanted to have more fun with everything I had instead of worrying about the next tournament, right? And I feel like we've gotten a little bit into that mode of worrying about match play to the exclusion of everything else. Um, I know the Neos and everything are pushing that into a more prominent space. And I think that's awesome because I think we need that. Um, but I definitely don't think that this is the premiere of Age of Sigmar. I don't think this is what the game was intended to be when it was released. I think the game with its four pages was actually a, a really brilliant implementation of a war game. And it brought us to a place where we could actually appreciate what is being released now. Not that it wasn't great before, but you know, like we can appreciate and understand what's actually being done when we're doing this 2.0. I mean, I, I haven't necessarily heard anybody saying that this is what they intended or that um, I certainly know that, you know, contextually, and, and I think uh, there are, there are evidence that some of the release of Age of Sigmar had a negative effect on some of the community mm-hmm. and that they wish they would have done some things differently. Um, I, but I think that overall it's been a very successful experiment and I don't think anybody would doubt, uh, could argue against the idea that they've through their community engagement and their kind of engagement with the rule set and people's feedback. Um, they've had three years of really great growth. Um, and I think, you know, Age of Sigmar 2.0 feels more it doesn't feel like a new edition it's just them kind of um cleaning things up right it's mm-hmm. it's taking a lot of that stuff none of the rules that they've introduced like you said at the top are anything like scary or like out of the blue or mechanics changing um it's just cleaning some things up it's just uh, shifting things around and it could be just more experiments right hey what <laughs> if we did this and what if we did that um and it feels like they're even because they're they're so confident in what they put out in age of Sigmar that they're doing minimal kind of changes to it and just clarifying text, et cetera, mm-hmm. that they're putting out so much other stuff to support it. Like, yeah, I think, I think the, the amount of stuff that they're putting out to me just shows how much they're put investing in the, the foundation of this rule set. That's mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I, I think that – I'm trying to think that I was just looking up, uh, you know, the the past editions. Like Warhammer 1st edition was 1983. Mm-hmm. 2nd edition was 1984. 3rd yeah. edition was 87. So that was only a three-year difference. Um, mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until 96, so it was like nine years later, um, that they did 4th edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, four years after that was 6th edition. Six years after that was 7th. And four years after it was 8th. So – like the speed of like changing, this isn't like we're not getting, I don't feel like we're getting a new edition in this sense that some of these other editions were yeah. um, big changes, but uh, we're just, it feels like just a big update mm-hmm. and a huge explosion and celebration of what we have. Well, and just as a historical context for me, from fifth to six was a huge change, right? Fifth to six completely changed the way that you ran your army, changed the way that all the rules were, changed the way you chose your army. 6th to 7th was kind of a refinement of 6th edition into what 7th edition was. And then 8th basically reset the bar again and kind of, it took a lot of the stuff from before, but then rewrote the rules or made them work a little bit differently. 
And I think what AOS was always intended to be from the beginning was a living rule set. And what we're seeing right now is we're seeing the living rule set be turned into what everybody thought that it should be from playing with the original four pages, right? And to me, that's not a correction. That's, it's a living rule set. It's intended to work that way, right? And that to me is just amazing that we could get that out of, you know, GW basically, because, you know, living for so long without that, where you got maybe an FAQ update every two years to have an actual living rule set is just fantastic. And I think that was- How did you survive? How did you survive? Well, I'd never played narrative. I never played open. I always played match play and I went to a lot of tournaments because that was all anybody would play. So you, you could you could say that you weren't surviving. You weren't that what kind of life no. was that? No. no. <laughs> um, I was always I playing tournament armies, painting tournament armies, no open play, no narrative. It was terrible. Nary a spider in sight. Um I, I don't know if I want to go down this path, but um I wonder. I think one of the appeals for for of of the first first edition AOS was that with the rules being so short and so small and sort of let's say concise, um, the opportunity for supplementing with complexity was that much easier is if you started with a small um, universal set of rules and uh, and you kept it simple enough, then you could throw as much complex some as much complexity on top of it as you could possibly want, and that's where you were going to get you know your in depth stuff. Um, do we think the transition? I already know your answer. I already know what you're going to say. But do we think the transition from the four pages to the eighteen loses some of that effect? Not doesn't ruin it, doesn't destroy it, but you lose some of the benefit of starting small and adding complexity on top of it if you already come into it with eighteen pages worth of complexity. I think eighteen pages is still relatively small True. Compared, compared to other things. Compared to the eighth book, yeah, right. Uh, so I think. In that regard, and, and and from what I've heard, 18 pages is full of photos and, and probably in a core book probably has some illustrative examples of okay. some rules, et cetera. Sure. So it's not like – I mean that four-page <laughs> rule set is like dense. Like they've they've crammed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's – you know. Um, so my guess is that if they were to do the same treatment, and I kind of hope they do, is that it's like six pages. Okay. Right. Um I think there is a mental block, like physical, visual, um, like tangible things that we use, these artifacts that we use in our gaming have an impact on our psyche. You know, in in past editions where you, and in in 40K, you feel some of that, and we might feel a little bit of that with Age of Sigmar. When you have to take, have three or four books to play a game, that gets intimidating, right? Mm -hmm. In in Dungeons & Dragons, uh, or other role-playing games, usually the dungeon master is the only one that needs to deal with three or four books. They're making a choice to engage that way. Everyone else is minimal, right? Mm-hmm. You, get, you need one book or I just, that. I just bring all my books, actually. Plop them right there, there to, to intimidate the players. <laughs> uh, set that up as your GM screen, just the piles of books. <laughs> my eighth edition books is this hill. My seventh edition is over here. Here's so, my DM books. I love... I absolutely love, and and not everybody digs using War Scrolls on your phone. Um, mm-hmm. I just use it as a quick reference. I try and know my War Scrolls really well and then just quick reference. But I love showing up with my army and my dice and being able to play a game and not needing a ton of books, not needing a ton of rules, um, you know, sitting there. 
Um, and so I really like how light it is. Eighth edition was not that. No. Um, so I hope I I hope I don't need the core rulebook. Um, I'll probably get it digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So I mean, I do think that the those the size of things matters. Size well, matters, guys. Yeah. I think um, moving from four to eighteen is not like not bad. Um, it's not moving from four to two hundred, right? Um, but I think one of the beautiful things about the four pages of rules is that it did basically require you to have a conversation with your opponent up front to make sure that you both were agreeing on the same thing. Mm-hmm. When you have 18 pages of rules and you're spelling out more stuff, not that it's going to be a negative, but when you're playing with four pages, there's this kind of understanding that like you're playing it a little bit more for fun, right? You're playing it for the joy of the game. And the 18 pages are going to be a good 18 pages. We know because we've seen it, right? But they're the stuff that you would talk about before you were playing the game if you were playing with a new player, right? You measure base to base. You have the whole piling in mechanic, right? And a lot of players would look at that and say, oh, that's just stuff that you're wasting, right? That, that's time you're wasting when you should be playing the game. But I think one of the great things that AOS does and one of the reasons why it had so few rules arguments is those four pages were not, didn't have holes in them, right? They just changed because people wanted to play it a different way, right? They wanted to play it a more match play centric or they wanted to play it a more clear variation. But that conversation that we had at the beginning of the game opened you up to having a conversation during the game, right? You've already had that intro conversation more than, hi, my name is so-and-so, here's my army, right? In it's the same thing with where basically everything is open list because everybody has access to all the different war scrolls. It's more of a communication back and forth, a conversation back and forth. And that's one of the things that kind of annoys me when people are like, oh, you're playing, if you get a double turn, you're not playing the game. You're not engaged in the game for a whole hour. And to me, especially with the way that the four pages required you to have this conversation, required you to actually introduce yourself to the other player, right? you're having a conversation instead of playing a game against another player. And especially with the double turn requiring you to not know whether you're going to go next or you're really going to go second, right? It required you to actually engage the other player in the whole game because you didn't know if you're going to win or if you're going to lose from turn one or turn two. And I think... Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll push back a little bit. Is I don't think the rule set itself forces anybody to have a, much of a conversation. No. Um, it's, But I would say early on, not having any points and that sort of stuff kind of made us talk a little bit more about the conversation ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't think that the problem that a lot of people had was that they got in the way of getting into a game. Yeah. Where I think we're at now, hopefully, is that we've, we'll have an easy enough rule set. One of the things that AOS brought was that very little like arguments about rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually still had a game just a few weeks ago where somebody we had to talk about whether or not we're measuring the bases or not, which, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's fine, but that yeah. was, that's the only thing. And it, it took two seconds. We're like, okay, it's fine. Like there's just no arguing about rules. And I think you're right that this will clarify that a bit. What I'm hoping that does then is it allows us to add on some of these additional things like the endless um, or the endless uh, spells, the malign sorcery, um, these new, um, <clears throat> and we talked about, um, you know, new, uh, uh, realm uh, characteristic stuff, whether mm-hmm. it's new 
um, spell lores from the different realms, new times of war, new artifacts from the different realms. You know, you start adding on these other additional charts. Hopefully, again, some of them you're coming pre-prepared with, um, while, whereas others can be rolled out at the table. Um, hopefully, those kinds of things help the conversation, right? Hey, let's talk about what realm we're going to be in. Let's talk about um, <clears throat> which battle plan we're going to do. The core book, I think, has six new battle plans. I think the General's Handbook 18 is going to have 12 match play battle plans. That's in addition to all of the narrative battle plans that are going to be probably in the, there may be some in the core rule book. There's going to be some in the General's Handbook. Malign Sorcery is going to have um, narrative battle plans. Excuse me. Um, narrative, uh, Malign Sorcery is going to have a campaign for Skirmish. It's going to have a campaign for Path to Glory. Um, not, and, and you mentioned this before, um, you know, the Neos all over the world running Raw and Rise of Empire and Nova and uh, your Gibbering Dome at Adepticon uh, and, and a bunch of different places. That's just growing. Like that's, and, but GW didn't start that. I mean, we had a, the Raw was kind of a big one and some people, I mean, again, the, the core rule set really inspired that um, just being so open that their whole, the whole system of AOS and the, and the realms being so big <coughs> opened up everyone's imagination to more narrative. And then they reinforced that through the general's handbook, the first one that came out and they're going to continue to do that. Like narrative is going to be here to stay, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's going to be, it's, it's always been there, but it's just always been, kind of background um now yeah. you know it, it'll it'll be more prominent and and you'll see more of it on the mortal realms.com uh, <laughs> but no i think but i think that we have more room to have conversation and i would say on not on a, what game are we going to play but even just being social with a rule set that's light and and is intuitive and i hope that it stays intuitive it seems like it's going to stay intuitive um mm. with the new changes again none of them are crazy and in no. fact a lot of them do in, interject more um, interaction in each other's rounds, right? Yeah. So like, for instance, um, you know, the endless spells. If I take the first turn and there's, an endless, and there's endless spells on the table, then my opponent gets to make actions with endless spells first. So now they're interacting, right? Um, dispelling is, is a 30 inches instead of... Um, you know, 18. So now in my hero phase, my opponent has opportunities to dispel. Um, there's, you know, there's just more ways that my opponent gets to interact and do things during my turn. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's part of part of the game design that's going to help with more of the interactivity, make people feel like they're part of the same game, etc. So um, what, what else you got to say, Aaron? Do you got anything on that? Just, so for, I think your initial question way back when was um, talking about the core rule book and what we were excited to see in that. Um, I could take the, the the rules part of it and just rip it right out and toss <laughs> it because I don't particularly care. Uh, but I think we, we've been shown um, a few snapshots of like the other mm, supplemental background information. If I understand cor correctly, there's going to be a lot of maps. It's going to be a lot of deep dives into the mm -hmm. realms. Hopefully they're going to flesh a lot of that out. Not that they haven't been like, I mean, we read every book that comes out. So I feel like I got a pretty good idea how things work, but um, every little bit, every little bit helps. Um, so it's that sort of stuff that I'm most interested in, not to throw it back to like the whole no. RPG okay. thing, but like, you know, that stuff like that, those are, those are textbook um, 
you know, uh, setting guides and things like that, that I think would be really helpful to run some of those uh, campaigns. And um, I like the idea of um, finding out more about how different armies can live in these different realms and, and you know, how you can make those armies very thematically um, tied to the the places they're from. So I'm looking forward to, if, if I'm interested in rules, it's rules like that, that um, make, uh, man, sound like a beat, beating a dead horse, but no. tying those narratives um, back to, the, the tabletop flavor so most yeah <laughs> yeah okay i'm not gonna make a, a flavor joke um I, I so, don't know, don't stop. there we go i was looking for an <laughs> there you go. uh so that's that's my jam that's what i'm that's what i meant to yeah are, are you guys into that too do you guys do you guys I like, like, that? I like me a narrative no I, yeah i think all of those things what's what i like about it um and i have i have this this video or conversation that I want to have at some point and we can about just how I think everybody who plays, you know, Age of Sigmar has a narrative bone in their body, you know? And if they don't, would they uh, like one? You know, even if it's a small bone, um, you know, like everybody, oh, even sweetheart. if they're, they're, a, they're a <laughs> 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 if they really, prefer, if their majority of their time is spent playing uh, match play, there's still an element. They're playing Age of Sigmar. They're not playing chess. They're not playing checkers. They're not playing, a stale, you know, aesthetic. Like they're playing with these miniatures that are a story on the table and they're fun to look at. Um, so everybody's a little bit interested in that. And so, and, and it seems like this is also a, a kind of a, br- a bridge is that there's, there's opportunity for these rules to be used in match play um, and easy to use in, in that competitive setting. Um, but they also serve uh, narrative play really well. So it's just this, this thing that they've designed really well, hopefully, to, to fit whatever anybody's doing that it's not just a rule set that works in one style of play like you can use it across many styles of play and get a lot of fun out of it yeah i like that but then yeah the lore i mean there is one um when they brought out the endless spells there's one paragraph in one of the articles that said even wizard some wizards uh you know so endless spells we haven't talked about that yet let's get into that real quick um nagash's uh necroquake at the end of the line, malign portents um, campaign in the in the spring, winter spring, um, ended with his uh, um, his uh, kind of plan, his scheme not being perfect, which sent out this uh, necro quake across all of the realms, and it made magic go a little nuts. Yeah, well, um, which what, I mean, what was magic. Called an, what was it called? An eighth storm of magic. <laughs> makes it seem like a little sprinkle uh, compared yeah, to storm magic necroquake um which to me though i mean like these realms are pure magic so this has to be pretty crazy to make magic go crazier sure but um now when when people cast spells sometimes they don't stop <laughs> tick now, tock they don't stop man. there we go from um, what from what i was listening to on warhammer live phil kelly kind of decided described it a little bit like when they talk about the ether sea, right, with the Idenef, they can breathe underwater because they make it more full of oxygen. Okay. But they can swim through the air because they make it thicker, right? Yeah. So they thicken the oxygen, they thicken the air. So what he was describing it almost is that it's not that there's more magic, it's just that the magic is more saturated, right? So it's more of just like anybody can reach out, and when they do something, it just has so much more power because the magic is all centered in the middle of the realms. Right? 
Okay. So that's an interesting, yeah, I'm very interested to see how that plays out because that's a really interesting idea. So the, what we're getting is this malign sorcery pack. Mm -hmm. It's a box with 13 uh, miniatures that represent these uh, 13 spells that are called endless spells. And the number 13 doesn't match any number that we have so far. Thanks a lot. Except what? for the Skaven. Well, I know, sure, but they're not all Skaven spells. What, what, are they, what do they line up with? Are they all mm. realm spells? I don't even know. It's just unlucky. Yeah, I suppose. Um, and these spells, what's cool about them is they range from really big, like what they call predatory spells. These spells move around, and there's one that's uh, uh, Ravrak's uh, Gnashing Jaws. I got the name wrong, of course, but... Uh, um, that Ravrak, that's a good name. Let's change the name. Let's work on that. Ravrak. Uh, hashtag Ravrak. No, you're really um, close. Ravrak. You got it, it. Aaron? Ravenax? Ravenak. Okay. I was close. I had extra yeah. R, not enough N. <laughs> um, and so, or, you know, there's the, the Purple Son of Shias. Um, so these spells, once cast, uh, can move and you know, destroy, you know, like do damage to um, uh, units they pass over, but they stay on the table and then they can move again in the next turn. Um, there's other things that allow you to cast spells further across the table or they allow, allow you to eat spells. Um, there's, uh, you know, so there's a bunch of different things uh, that that are uh there's a barrier, which I'm, I'm really excited just for the barrier. Um, I remember when, uh, before we knew what Age of Sigmar was, one of my hopes was to have some rule that lets you like change terrain or mo like change movement and that sort of stuff. I'm really excited for um, that crystalline barrier. Um, that was from Heish or Heish. Heish. Um, so there's, there's these um, and uh, in this book, is a lot of the uh now this is split between this and the core rulebook i think in this one you get a lot of the um, spell lores from the different realms so each of the realms has spell lore that you can equip your if when you're playing a game in that realm any wizard in your army knows can know those spells sure so that's kind of cool um and then uh the endless spells uh you know just add this element to the game where you've got these and what's funny is I think, isn't there uh, the realm of beasts? You don't get spells, you get roaming monsters or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's seven spells, one for each realm, and there's six predatory spells. Ooh. Is that right? Are you looking at that and making that assessment? <laughs> no, I'm not looking at it. She's asking for, for clarification. I don't think we know quite yet. We'll have to, hey, audience, you're going to have to buy the book to find out. So oh. I did. We're not going to tell you. I did do a video um, chomping through each of the spells. Um, so it's possible that uh, that there's one for each. I'd have to go back and look. I didn't make that connection when I was looking at them. Um, so, uh, yeah. What was it? I can't remember what, what got us into that one with these endless spells. With uh, So inside of there, there's, they're going to have uh, inside of the... Um, Malign sorcery. They're going to have rules for. Um... All right, here's where here's the thread that I had picked up. There was an article about the endless uh, um, uh, endless spells, and that there were wizards who was their entire job was to uh, to travel the realms, and they were hired to go and dispel these, unbind these spells. Bounty mages. Yeah, 
and I remember grabbing that. I remember sending that to you in the chat. Uh, so you guys in our in our chat, um, and then putting it on a Twitter as well. I was like, I bet that could be like a what should we call it? A, a class, a wizard class in Age of Sigmar roleplay. Uh, I think I tweeted over to Cubicle Seven and oh, got zero yeah. responses. Oh, thanks um, a lot. <laughs> but, uh, but then um, what I saw in one of the latest updates talking about um, what what is called a skirmish at Realm's Edge. Um, is that kind of again where this idea is that your skirmish warband could be going around hunting these endless spells? Um, so there's going to be a whole campaign or, or campaign setting uh, that includes using endless uh, spells, which is <coughs> interesting because of all the new rules, um, uh, skirmish can really handle almost all of them coming in and just interjecting the way it does now. Doesn't need any changes. Uh, just one change to the lookout, sir, to make it make sense for uh, skirmish. Um, but endless spells would be kind of like one of the breakers. Uh, and so in this case, they're just incorporating it right into the malign sorcery. So, boom, I think it's going to be taken care of. So you can use endless spells or endless spells will play a part in skirmish as well. So that's really yeah. cool. Um, and then I guess the last question is just like, how does, how does General's Handbook exist in this new dynamic with a core rule book is the and the general's <clears throat> handbook has always been the supplement of you know hey here's new ways to play here's new new things you can do what does the core rule book do, do for us that general handbook doesn't and what does the vice versa well go ahead well just gonna points is the obvious one right so like that's going to be the the general's handbook um Focus. focus. Well, I'm not focus, but that's what that's, that's why people are going to buy it is because they want those point values. Um, I reckon, I'm like allegiance abilities and all that jazz is probably going to be in the handbook too, right? Did I make New that allegiance up? Allegiance abilities. I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. So that that whole um, line of thought, and that's the extent of what I know about rules. Passing it off. Well, if we look at what the background has been for the general's handbook, there's been a match play section, right? There's been a narrative section, and there's been an open gaming section. So uh, the question is what we're going to be getting in the narrative section and we're going to be getting in the open gaming section. So I imagine there's also going to be a decent amount of errata to War Scrolls that are already put out to make them work with the new rules or to change things that don't work anymore. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting because I, I would have assumed that that skirmish expansion would have been in the General's Handbook instead of in Malign Portance. Yep. But... To me, yeah, sorry, Malign Sorcery, thank you. No, I'm sorry. But to me, the fact that they put the Skirmish expansion in Malign Sorcery says that they had enough other ideas that they were like, no, it's okay, we can put this in here too, right? Because that easily, to me, to my mind at least, could have fit into the open gaming. It could have fit into um, the narrative gaming and the fact that it's in a different book and a different expansion to me says they've got a lot of stuff going on with what's in the book itself. So I'm very interested to see where they're going with that because um, there's just a lot of potential for what they could do, especially with the Soul Wars, right? Like they've introduced a brand new setting. Um, they've introduced a new time, right? Like instead of the Age of Myth, the Age of Sigmar, now we're in, I don't know what age this is, but we're in the Soul Wars, right? Um, so... I'm very interested to see where they take that and how that will 
either influence the lore or be affected by the lore itself. Yeah, I think. I mean, yeah, I think you're you're right. They, it looks like the core rulebook is going to probably take some of the things that they've experimented with in the general's handbook and make them, you know, base. So, for instance, um, here you talk about uh, realm of battle rules that let you set your game in mystical landscapes. Uh, open war battle plan generator is going to be in the book. So there's the cards, but it looks like they're going to have an open war generator in the core rulebook. There's going to be a guide to narrative play from sieges subterranean warfare um and kind of creating campaigns and then the the match play battle plans um so it looks like maybe they're going to take some of the things like siege and skirmish and set those rules in the core rulebook right so maybe that what they've already done in some of these other places and they're going to put them in the core rulebook and say hey here's where all of those things exist mm-hmm. here's how you play these games in different ways <clears throat> and then the general's handbook same way, like so, Malign Sorcery then is going to take and is going to create a specific magically magical uh, focused campaign setting mm-hmm. for everything, right? You can take those rules and add this layer. And the General's Handbook can still be there to experiment, yeah. right? I mean, You've got points, like you said, Aaron. Maybe it, it updates match play things or maybe it doesn't. Um, maybe it, it adds, you know, like we've seen. Path to Glory introduced there. We've seen Siege introduced there. We've seen Skirmish introduced there. Um, or did we? Did was Skirmish introduced there? Skirmish no. has got its own. Yep. Well, yeah, I don't know where it was introduced. Path to Glory was introduced there, but then became, became its own. Well, and even though both books are going to have battle plans, maybe just maybe the General's Handbook is going to be more like balanced. Not, not that they won't be balanced, but like more cut and dry tournament style type battle plans as opposed to maybe more general all all comer type battle plans that you might see in the core rule book. I don't know. I'm just guessing. All right. Good guesses. Good guesses. Sure. So, I mean, they, they've, uh, we had a, del- a deluge of, of release previews uh, come at us. Is there anything else that surprised you guys or um, got you excited or, um, you know, was worth mentioning that we haven't mentioned yet? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was thinking that the Ezrite ruins were too short and I wanted them to be taller. So I'm really glad that they're releasing double sized ruins. That's a joke. It's not that exciting. Nobody should be excited about that. Um, but they're, they're coming out and I'm going to get them anyways. Um, are they, are they coming out? I don't know know when it's coming out, but it was in one of the previews. Um, yeah, it was at the games day, I think, or something like that. Yeah, I just there's still like a wide range of just supplemental like fun game stuff like new dice. There's a new combat new object, cage, new objective set. Yeah, exactly. That I mean, objective set is awesome. Like the objective set would have been, you know, a week's release or you know some part of a week's release, <laughs> and yet it's just peppered in, and no one's even given two thoughts about it because of all this other stuff that's coming out. Um, but like any other week, that would have been you know you know noteworthy. Um, yeah. So even small things like that um, are, are getting shipped, you know, alongside or, you know, soon thereafter with, with these releases as well, which um, it's that sort of stuff that really spices up your game that I'm, I'm really into. All right. So I'm going to blindside you with a question. Okay. High in the sky, if you could have any one thing in the general's handbook, what would it be? Aaron, go. Um, I, I have no idea. Um, 
guide, a guide to Black Library books. Oh, no, I'll tell you, I, I slimmed down uh, factions, like retire half of the old stuff that we don't need anymore. Whoa. Cut it loose. Oh. Hey, you're going to ask me a weird question, you're going to get a weird answer. <laughs> All right, Eric? Um, I would say... Uh, again, I would say more experimentation in the general's handbook. Um, nothing is concrete with the general's handbook. Uh, at least it's, or it's, it's concrete for, but just a time it has, it always has an expiration date. Mm-hmm. Um, and so try some new things, put out some, um, modular alternative rules. Like, um, you know, the, the one of the things that, uh, I really enjoyed about the end times is they added on all this, this cool stuff but it was hard to play it because we were kind of stuck. Age of Sigmar in this general handbook format allows us to just kind of add new things and try new things and experiment. The more we're just doing that and trying new things, um, and if they're layers on top of our match play games or layers on top of our narrative games, whatever it is, I think that just keeps, it keeps our, the community more malleable. It keeps the player base malleable and willing to try new things. Um, And I think that means that we're also then in a good mindset for change. So that's what I'd like to see out the general's handbook is to be that kind of that, that pressure that keeps, keeps uh, molding us and changing us and move it, you know, kind of keeping us moving. Like we can't sit still too long. Sure. It keeps people keeps, on their toes. Keeps it fresh. Um, so that's a vague answer. A specific answer, very specific would be, I would like to see uh, a make your kit bash um, rule set like where you could uh, kind of make your own new unit or your own model or your new hero mm-hmm. or monster or um, like they did a where you can have your own truck <clears throat> yeah I've, yeah, something like I've heard something about that I don't know that very well but yeah so like you would have some charts or something where you could take and you'd have a certain amount of points to spend and add some things together or everything's worth points and so you just add it and it becomes this big points cost sync thing if you put all those different abilities into it um, but then you can kit bash that and make that from you know psh, psh, now i've got a new thing is no model good enough for you people i no. want i want them all and i want them all <laughs> on the table at the same time oh, and i want them to all be on the same model <laughs> the voltron of warhammer for arms and legs i think frankenstein of warhammer but okay <laughs> Agree to get out of here. Don't don't you mean Frankenstein's monster? Because Frankenstein I, was just a human. I did. You got, you got me. <laughs> See, I'm in uh, your head. <laughs> all right. So my idea would be to have. Sorry, Paul. Paul, what what would be the one? Thing? Yeah, what's, <laughs> Sorry okay, about I'm that, done. Paul. I'm done. What, it's okay. I'm done. What what would the one thing you'd like to see in the general's handbook be? I would like them to have like just a little chart of like two or three rules. That you could add on to Done. any scenario to place it into a specific realm, right? So, like three rules for realm of fire, three rules for realm of beast, etc. That, but isn't that but time of war? Isn't that that's that's what they're doing? Yeah. I know it's time of war, but I would really like it to be more into the match play. So you could run a tournament and be like, "This is going to be in the realm of life." I think that they're doing that. Are they? So good job, man. So my dream has not, come through. Not in the general's handbook, but in the core rulebook, I believe. Sure. Oh, I I literally have been on the internet in the last week. So. Ask, ask the win the lottery next. Ask win the win the lottery. Next. I win the lottery, please, please. I mean, win the lottery. Done. Yeah. Yes. 
All right. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. I think that's everything. I mean, we're we're obviously generally excited about this. Oh, here it is. Realm of Battle rules that let you set your game in mystical landscapes of the moral realms. Mm-hmm. There you go. Um, Realm of Battle rules different than Time of War. Sure. Uh, Related different. to the Realm of Battle, which is a which is a thing Table. that I have right there. Um, so generally very excited. We're all going to be getting models. Uh, I, I guess I will say the other thing I'm trying to do to get ready for this is I'm trying to get my Vanguard chamber all painted up, or at least all assembled and painted up like... Well, you got to assemble it to paint it up. And then I've started working on, I've got uh, my Drakari drawn that are a little bit on hold because I'm going to be using them as part of a, um, I'm not going to say much more about this, but a project, a tale of four gamers uh, starting in the fall, uh, which will be a cool collaboration with some other, um, uh, you know, personalities um and then uh i've started i've started thinking about a cog city uh free guild army what no uh-huh so the the path to glory book that we reviewed last time had some really cool um Im- imagery and that sort of stuff and so would you say it got the the cogs turning uh... no we, i mean would you say it it got the cogs turning. Yeah! One of the clip of that. <laughs> <laughs> now make it into a GIF. Now put it on Twitter. It's true. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, obviously, um, come check us out uh, on uh, YouTube. Come check us out on your favorite podcast app. We'll be there. Uh, we're going to be on uh, the web uh, at www.themortalrealms.com. We're on Facebook. Uh, yeah. We're on Twitter the most. We're probably on Twitter more than anything else. Um, so come check us out. Aaron, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me at, at DosAceos, D-O-S-A-C-E-O-S. And Paul, where can they find you on Twitter? At PJ Shard, P-J-S-C-H-A-R-D. And where can they find you in Wisconsin? Right. I, I don't know right now. They, I'm, they can't. Like, I don't even not. have my phone with me. The CIA has no idea where I am. <laughs> I'm a and black he- ops. And you can Poor find enough. and you can find me at Stone Monk Gamer on Twitter. Um, and uh, uh, thank you for listening. Like well, real, real quick, you can well, find us on Twitter at the at the Moral Realms. Oh, uh, yes. We changed our name, so like that might not be most re- relevant. And just real har- quick to harken back to the website. If there's anything you guys want to see on there, or like you want to see more of, by all means, let us know. Drop us a line. Moral Moral Realms at gmail dot com. Because um, we're gonna keep putting stuff up there. So like, give us feedback. Let us know what's good what's bad etc yeah, etc tell, et tell aaron that you like what we have going on otherwise he's gonna quit yeah i mean i literally just have the analytics page up all day every day <laughs> so cl- <laughs> click something yeah please go for me and know that i'm watching like know that i'm just sitting there looking at it so. all right uh like and subscribe if you're on youtube leave us a review if you're on itunes helps people find us and learn about us and most importantly learn about mortal realms and all of the creatures the stories Uh, and the characters uh, here in the realms.
have a good day. I don't know why that. Why? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you don't want him to have a bad day, right? No, good day. Good. Good night. I, I said good, good day. Sir. I said good day. Sir. <laughs>